Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your host, Daniel Colburn. And today's episode is brought to you by... So, Caleb, um, I have a few things I'd like to talk about. Okay. One of them, we had a fun little uh, programming flight of fancy yesterday. Um, and we chased the rabbit oh, trail. Yeah. And it led us to a Zoom conversation, and Taylor Otwell happened to appear there and he told did. us that we were chasing our own tails, and there was it was immaterial, the thing we were attempting to do. But I thought it was a cool thought anyway, and uh, I thought the listeners might enjoy it. Yeah, that's true. So D. Cole hit me up and was like, hey man, I want to make a sushi pivot table. Like, I want to make a pivot table between two different tables. One of them is actually a sushi model. Also a sushi model. And but I that's immaterial. Like, they, they could be any two models. Y- well, they have, to, they, could be any, they have to be on different database connections, which is why it's mm, what it, our problem still, was. It wouldn't even work if they were on the same database connection. Okay, they would have to be within the same database. What are you talking about, Decal? I'm saying there is no world in which no matter where those two models live whether they're in sushi or in one database or in two databases there is no world in which you can make a sushi pivot table for them right because it's a separate database connection yeah Yeah. exactly right yep yeah so sushi uses its own little sqlite databases for its thing so we were just we just had a lapse in judgment i just thought for some reason i don't know why i wasn't thinking i just thought that many to many's didn't use joins which is ridiculous but because other relationships don't use joins you know don't they no like belongs to that's not a join hmm do they have to use joins right it's not a join no it's not a join i i'm sure they don't i'm no they do not have they to. they don't because the other relationships work right but i'm guessing it's really helpful or something i don't know weird yeah. so anyway we just had a lapse in in judgment and we're chasing down this rabbit hole and then we get on the the github sponsors call oh this is a good this is a good this moment episode to pitch. is brought to you by this story <laughs> this, which is why you should get on github sponsors calls. yeah so i opened up uh i used to do a sponsor call for just high tier sponsors you know the high profile people um and then i did a call for my uh dry run Laracon online and there were tons of people on it ton- by tons i mean 30 less than 30 and they uh we just hung out and talked for like an hour and a half after and about livewire and alpine and other stuff and, and i was like we should probably do this again right and everybody's like yeah and then kevin mckee who's always pushing me towards monetization like i just mm-hmm. he's always like uh dude you know you do like i'm just doing things and he's like uh dude and he chimed in and was like, uh, everybody. So he actually does this for his sponsors. So you can just pay him and then whatever. Anyway, so I opened up the call to all sponsors, which is like 110 people or something. Sure. And um, yeah. And so we get on the call immediately after me and Decole literally hang up at 4 p.m. And we get on this call and guess who's on the call? Mr. Otwell. Mr. Otwell himself. So we immediately hit him with our problem. And he's like, yeah, joints don't, you doesn't work. Do Stop. <laughs> But he but did hang. A, I was really like surprised that he hung out on that call. That was pretty yeah. crazy. It was uh, it was strange. It could have been really cool. It could have been mind-blowingly useful. What that do you mean? Pivot table. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought, not, like not, having not Taylor Taylor's on the presence. What could have Taylor been? could have been useful, right. but he was actually <laughs> BS. No, 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 I'm saying um, yeah, it would have been that, that ridiculously cool. Would have been shockingly cool for sure. Agreed. But oh well, yeah. oh well. Programming hard. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna look into belongs to many though. That's gonna be a little side endeavor of mine. Yeah, I'm gonna wrap my head around it. Go for it. Go I mean, for it. You think Take you it as a guy it who has a like an eloquent modifying package. Yeah. It's a I don't want to say it's a dark world, but it's definitely not a fun place to go. Yeah. It well, is fun, but then when like, you, you if you wanted on to the like surface that you know how it works. Yeah. Eloquence deep. Especially those types You're of relations deep, and stuff. Oh, thanks, D. Cole. You're deep too. Um all right. D- so what else you got, Decol? I had several things. Let's rapid um, fire this episode. Here's the thing: you like messaged me a bunch about this, and Telegram messages are like a terrible format for this. Um, and so I've basically been ignoring everything you've been saying about it until we could talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> so let's talk about your preferences regarding click the intro music fading in and out all of that i want to hear only because i know you have thoughts you have feelings you even created an mp3 file that faded out the intro music oh word yeah okay i want to just like wrap my head around what it is you're thinking because i've not been able to internalize the things you've been sending so the first thing is every episode that i've edited on no plans to merge which is i think all of them until until the last like right i fade out the intro music Gotcha. Yeah, and yeah. I, so I definitely did cut and the I do it early. too long. Yeah, yeah. So that's I was a, like, that's I was listening to your part. cut and it, and it was like, yeah, I've never even heard this part of the song. And it's still going. I'm like, all right, when does this end? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just a hard cut. And I was like, oh, like he must have just put in the whole intro song. And then it just like. So it's not the whole intro song. It's like less than half of the intro song, but it's still too okay. much of the intro song. Yeah. So anyway, it was too long. And then there was a hard cut. And I was like, oh, this sounds terrible. Mm hmm. And I okay, thought, so let's think about a way that we can do this programmatically. Well, so first, what's uh, so I sent Decol just a clip of the intro faded out, basically right. the exact thing that I had been doing before. Uh-huh. I just cut that intro. The only difference is I cross faded, you know, like in right, Studio One. Right, right. So which you don't need, like so. Just as hold on, just as a quick little like MVP stand-in, you mm-hmm. could just please <laughs> give me that smile, that smirky smirk. You could just pop in that intro that fades out and just concatenate, right? And everything would be like pretty You pop in the intro good. that fades out, but that would be so weird, dude, because it would, would just it? like, yeah, it would just fade to silence and then you have a hard cut anyway. Right, but you don't hear like, kink, you know, it's just like. Yeah, but like, that's so weird. Like, if you're going to fade everybody. out, you have to crossfade. I don't think so. That's, that's my opinion. Okay. Here's anyway. my other opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't think that we should have faded out. I don't think we should import an MP3 that is the faded out music. I think that Click should do the fading and crossfading for us. Mm, yeah, maybe. And it's not hard. Okay. Um, Socks does it. Here's what I need to think about is like, how do we communicate? How do you pass the information right. you need to Click to reliably do that? So my opinion is concatenate. Just don't like make click do one thing and do it really, really well. 
to no, me this is one of those features no, 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 that's no, no, like because this the the use case right there's a use case right uh-huh the use case for almost all podcasts ever this is just something we need to nail because we're not going to ever convince anyone else it's like all right, first you need to open your own intro music in GarageBand and do a fade out. You know how a fade out works, you know? And then, like, we're going to tell them, like, to generate an MP3 of their intro music, fade it out. Yeah, dude, there's it's just dark. Like, think about the, the podcasts that, like, fade out but then keep a low level for a while while they're talking, you know? Yeah, that's not our problem. Yeah, I don't know. I'm saying MVP, though, like... I but think, yeah, I mean, you could just provide a fade. I mean, okay, you could make a fade out durate like the interface for it would be like fade out duration mm-hmm. and cross fade offset. That would just like offset the next track into the intro, and yeah. then they can set whatever they want the offset and whatever they want so the you, duration. Yeah, so I would say you have like a, um, basically it would work like this. So like, you set like a like a moment in time that the crossfade starts right so say it's like a 30 second piece of music at 15 seconds we want it to start crossfading and we want that crossfade to last five seconds Mm -hmm. before it's totally silent right Mm -hmm. and then we also say we also need a piece of data that says the main show content should start playing one second after the crossfade starts Right, it's like where, like where does the overlap between the two pieces of audio? That's what I'm saying. They have to figure that out themselves, you know, like the user, the user, the listener. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I miss using listener for joke. So they would have to say, like I said, like they would specify the duration of the fade out, Mm -hmm. because it's not a fade in for the other audio. It's just the duration of the fade out. Let's say it's ten seconds. And then if they wanted it to start five seconds after the crossfade starts, they mm-hmm. set the offset. It's basically like negative, negative ML and tailwind. It'd be like negative margin left mm-hmm. on the next audio for just five seconds or negative five seconds or whatever. You know? So I don't think you can do negative margin from the end of the, the intro music. I think you have to go positive margin from the point where the crossfade starts. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Because that's the only way to get it consistent where it doesn't matter what the content is. As long as your content starts at the beginning of this audio file, mm-hmm. um, then it, it doesn't matter. I guess it doesn't matter either as, as long as the intro music file doesn't change. Right. And that's going to be static. Yeah, yep. that's true. Anyway, so I've just been thinking about this low level in the back of my head, and I'm like, I don't have like a requirements doc written in my brain for this, so like I haven't like turned it into like a project to work on yet. Right. But I'm thinking I might just sit down and hack this out before I pop this episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, a crossfade, I think that would be fantastic if it was easy. It's just like time for fade out, time for overlap, you know? Mm Mm-hmm amount of time overlapped and then just pop a rune in good to go pop a rune in and the reason so i tech i messaged you and was like hey should we just leave out the intro music to no plans to merge right and you were like absolutely not yeah well because i'm interested to hear why you took such a hard stance uh so it's because you took such a hard stance caleb um (laughs) you we had one intro music fiasco and you said (laughs) and i just anti-intro music music altogether (laughs) no no for real though like 
it led me there and i was like yeah does, does anyone care about the intro music i care it's a waste of time music. i care about the intro music uh it's a waste of time when it's 30 seconds long for sure it wastes 30 seconds of time mm-hmm. but it, you know when we get it down to like the right amount of time and we get the crossfade and it feels right i think it just sets the tone for the show and it becomes familiar to the listener so that when we say cue the outro music at the end Mm -hmm. like it's like oh yeah that's the music i heard at the beginning but it's a different part of the song and it's Mm -hmm. you know like yeah okay yeah the show it like holds it all together yeah i dig okay um i'm down and also like I don't want you to steal from me this very important programming challenge that is part of Click by just uh. removing the intro music from the show <laughs> yeah. before I have solved intro music. That's funny. Um, so, Decole, you started a new job. I did. I work there. And you're done with your first week. You're almost done with your second week. This is your the last day of your second week. The last day of my second week, although my first week was non-traditional. In that right. I was in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, mm-hmm. um, which interestingly, uh, I was in Philadelphia. I log so we use my wife's parents' Netflix account. Who doesn't? We, we use my wife's parents' Netflix account. Yeah, and <laughs> for real, they use our Hulu account. It's like a whole exchange. We have oh no, yeah, this the, yeah. the millennial gambit. Um, and uh we um anyway i logged into netflix on my amazon fire stick that i had amazon primed to my hotel oh um, yeah you know had amazon like, Prime to your hotel why didn't you just pack it or you didn't have one and you just... I didn't own one until now oh really dude they're dope I, I never travel without the fire stick. yeah exactly I, I got to my hotel and i was like oh wow i'm gonna be because you know it's like you work until like five or six and then uh-huh. you're like, just a guy who has a hotel room for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. You, know? you didn't have any like buds that like at the new job, like people went out and did no, stuff. No, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a mischaracterization. We did go out to a board game bar and play some board games two nights. And, you know, we did some stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. But I but get like, you, for long sure. Long short, you got hours of time to kill in a hotel any room. Any night in a hotel room, you got to have a fire stick or something. Yeah, to, something so anyway, I, I yoinked myself a fire stick and... uh I logged into Netflix, and apparently what had happened was Charlotte's parents got a notification saying, someone logged into your Netflix account from Pennsylvania. Do you want to change your password? And they did. And they did. Well, first they called Charlotte, and they said, someone logged in from Pennsylvania. And Charlotte, in her head, says, well, Daniel's in Philadelphia. That's not in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and put the kibosh on it. And we talked yesterday about how Charlotte was like, yeah, I've never been to Philly. Every time I've been to Pennsylvania, it's been like Amish country, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't think of Philly as being part of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, that was a weird thing. Anyway, but yeah, I spent a week in uh, Philly working with uh, my coworkers. Um, and it was cool. They work out of like a co-working space. Um and uh it's a cool co-working space it's like not a uh like a big corporate like a we work or something mm-hmm. it's like uh there's a person who owns it yeah and it's very like collective all the art on the walls is made by people who work out of the co-working space like you mm-hmm. know it, it 
just feels like a, a living environment, not like sort of a more sterile co-working space. Yep, that's cool. Um, so that was cool. So we just kind of hung out and did work, and um, they walked me through a bunch of the code base and, you know, just normal, normal things. Um, and then this week I have been largely moving posts from a very old PHPBB forum to a discourse forum. So this is part of their website. Uh, they have a forum for all of their members and it's like the knowledge on this forum is like a big part of like the collected knowledge of like home inspection on the internet, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so this knowledge needs to keep existing. There's a ton of live links to it from all over the internet. Mm -hmm. So there's people coming to these like PHPUB URLs like slash view topic dot php t equals and then an id which is like a classic phpbb url mm -hmm. um so all these urls need to stay active but we need to import these posts into discourse um and then there are a bunch of other considerations like visibility which forums are public which forums are not public um a lot of the users still exist in the discourse forum are we going to try and assign these posts to the users that exist as though they had posted them mm -hmm. um, replies. If I add a reply through the API to a topic that I just created, is the user going to get an email notification that <laughs> the post they made in 2003 just got a reply? Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. So there's like lots of interesting considerations. Uh, the discourse API is barely documented. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been fun. Lots of lots of considerations. Sweet. Um, I thought sushi was gonna save the day with their pivot table. Oh man, it didn't happen. I'm so sorry about that. It's not your fault. You, you didn't make eloquent. So yeah, that's true. If I did, it had an array driver day one. Yeah. Whew. Come on, wouldn't even There's use a database. Got to be a way, Caleb, that we can PR. Uh, either eloquent or sushi to work with belongs to many. I think there's a way. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not interested in it because I haven't run across it myself. You're not interested. In it. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, I don't really have the need. I haven't felt the need, but if I needed it, then I would feel it. Then I would so have felt the, it. You were talking yesterday about... Um, I don't know if this... Is, is, anything that you, is there anything that you said on your sponsor call yesterday that we can't say on the podcast? No. You were talking about uh, Tailwind UI and Alpine components. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about that? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Um, I didn't know if that was like public. I hadn't seen it on the tweeters. What, that Alpine's in Tailwind UI? Yeah. Oh, it's. I mean, it's public in Tailwind UI. Okay, cool. Anybody who goes to Tailwind UI would see it. Okay, cool. So tell me about that. Tell me about that process. How'd that happen? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, Adam hit me up a while ago. Uh, you know, I don't even remember exactly, but he was like, like, I, I remember actually where I was. I was in my living room, so I wasn't in Florida, which means it was like well over a month ago. Right. And he hit me up and was like, Hey, I'm thinking of using tail or I might use Alpine for Tailwind UI or something like that. Right. And I immediately was like, Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. This is so cool. And this was coming off of, I just kind of released it as Alpine from project X yep. and it was sort of taken off 
and you know the story of alpine is is hilarious because it's like the thing that it's just kind of a crazy story of something that is just magically really popular and i don't have to do a single thing it's just one of those really good ideas that you don't have to push or or you what you don't have to do is communicate all the benefits to people right they which just is get it. they just get it that's so good like yeah. livewire I have had to communicate this for over yeah, a year. You have to constantly explain it to people. Right. And just now, just now, people are starting to understand, you know, yep. not just the early adopters, like, you know, big, big people are starting to under- see it, you know. Um, but Alpine is like, people got it right away. Um, so he really dug it. He's into it. Because him and I, like, I think deep down, he's interesting because he's kind of all over the map. He's, he's every man. He's you're got saying, like... You're saying Adam Weather is interesting. Uh, barely yeah not really but in this way um he like he you know he's super like js guy like his whole podcast is about like interviewing people who write spas right i'm just kidding i mean if he's listening <laughs> i'm like jabbing at him um but deep down like he's a blade guy deep down somewhere i know there's there's a blade guy deep down inside of him you just want to find his inner child yeah and he like he's not a fan of page page jank so he like has always kind of wrestled with that hybrid approach and page jank do you have page jank.io i know alpine dot there should be an alias for alpine.com which doesn't exist yeah. called yeah like uh no hashtag no page jank or something so anyway he digs the approach he dug it and you know when adam shines his light upon a project it's like you know it's just a good it's a good thing you know that well yeah so this is the thing i was thinking about right like we know approximately how many copies of tailwind ui have been sold yep right like we can do some math right and like each of those is now going to be an alpine installation (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah each of those is going to be someone who wasn't familiar with alpine before who's going to at least play with it a little to see if they have to rewrite it to view or not right yeah you it's know? exposure to alpine for sure yeah and I'm, i wonder how that's gonna go for alpine yeah i mean right away off the bat from from the beginning i like told myself don't like don't get your hopes up for this yeah like don't get your hopes like adam will do what's best always he's not mm-hmm. gonna and so it's very he's likely not gonna do what's worst exactly <laughs> so it's there's a pretty good chance that he would just you know be like ask her this get out you know i'm done with this but he he gave it a fair shot and he pushed it pretty far like he's like dude alpine's sick but transitions bro like i need transitions mm-hmm. so i basically wrote the whole transition api for him and then we would hit stuff and he'd be like yo but this transition thing and the conversation always goes like this yo how do i do this maybe i find a way maybe i don't but we go does view do this and like half yeah. the time it's like yeah view does and then i'm like all right i'll make it do it if view mm-hmm. doesn't i'm like maybe i'll still make it do it and make it better than view so in some ways it's better than view in my mind like mm-hmm. it does some crazy things with transitions where it waits for inner nested transitions to finish before the outer ones like stop showing gotcha which is like ridiculous i have to use this nested promise chain that resolves like recursively it's ball mm-hmm. it's really bonkers but anyway um so i went pretty hard on that to make it like good enough for adam to use for tailwind ui you know mm-hmm. and he helped me a bunch you know with like ideas and stuff and um so yeah so anyway, uh, I'm not getting my hopes up. And the other day, he messaged me and was like, um, uh, what did he say? I don't know. He's like, dude, sorry, I have to take it out. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I, I've tried. He's like, I got no life left in me. 
And then he shows yeah, this yeah. like image of these people on Twitter who are like, the only hard part of Tailwind UI, Tailwind UI is great, but the only thing that sucks is having to convert all the Alpine to view. Oh. And so the pro I mean the problem is that so I, I remember using Tailwind UI before Alpine, I think. I don't know, but I just had I just asked him for like early access, just give me access to some stuff so I can yeah. pull it in. And one of the hardest things about it is parsing out this this class soup you know of like trying to figure out what parts are dynamic what classes to add and remove dynamically for like shown states first in a row in a list states like all these different states and alpine is just sort of like so he said on this podcast it's like pseudocode that works like the idea is that it's it's generic framework to just give you you know to just show you the basic abstract yeah it's not meant to re-implement the logic however you want if you want yeah i mean the idea is just to show you to make it work one in the browser and two to show you this what things are separate what what classes are dynamically added um but people are you know there's a there's a what's he gonna um, ship is he just gonna ship flat html so that's the thing is like his alternative is like flat html but now he has to maintain a giant view app basically or so he could do it in view but he would also have to do it in react otherwise he's like yeah, severely tilting the thing towards yeah. view so anyway it's interesting and i was on a call with him like i paired with him to kind of just like talk about best approaches and um and i really evaluated you know what's best like we we tried a bunch of different things like pseudo code and other ways to document what's dynamic and dude alpine's just the best it's one of those things that people think people think it's weird or wrong or bad but the all the it's better than all the alternatives so it's just a not ideal situation um but yeah, but now there's like this whole horde of people. Now I say that horde, but there's probably just a very, very tiny minority of people who like yeah, are like not very good people. at web development who are like confused, which is okay and understandable. But they're like, I just like, oh, I finally made my Alpine components work in view. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, dude. So anyway, it's a not ideal situation, but I think, I think it's a small vocal minority that, but long story short, Alpine is in Tailwind UI. It's pretty cool. And I think it got a lot of exposure because of that. Yeah. But dude, it was on Smashing Magazine. Just like... Dude, I saw that. That is... And that was a good article too. Yeah. That was Pro- like a... Well done. Tutorial. Yeah. And uh, they understood Alpine. And yeah, the they wrote and a everything. tutorial about it. Yeah. It wasn't just... Like I see these articles sometimes in these like quote unquote web publications where it's just like a restatement of your readme. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like... Yep. React is a... uh component-based javascript framework what's a component you know right view is the progressive Um, framework for adding reactivity and yeah and then let me do a bullet point on each word in the readme and tell you what it means it's progressive yeah yeah this article was like it kind of gave me like old school like net toots vibe (laughs) um of like you know like here's how you do something you know Mm -hmm. here's how you build a thing i miss that dude i miss tutorials yeah not enough tutorials in the world anymore you sure about that it was all screencasts now oh interesting yeah remember the the golden age of the tutorial blog post yeah man that was it it was wild i always thought it was tutorial because i grew up on the internet and i didn't actually speak to people (laughs) Tutterial. Tutterial. Yeah. Tutterial. Yep. And then I said the, the first guy is like in high school 
I had a, my first like real life human geek friend mm-hmm. who was like also on the internet and he he was like, dude, it's tutorial. Like tutorial. no way my whole life. But um, yeah, so I, I'm stumbling, I'm stumbling on Alpine stuff all the time. Yeah. Like all the time. People sometimes don't tag, a lot of times don't tag me. Yeah. And sometimes don't even tag at Alpine. So I have no idea. And I just come across things like tutorials, like uh, blog series, video casts, like screencasts. Um, somebody just screencasts already. Yeah, man. You know, uh, Scrimba. Familiar with Scrimba at all? Uh, I don't think it's a so. pretty. It's like a fairly large education platform that I didn't really hear. I've heard of, but I never like knew anything about it. Sure. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not. I don't know. It's not like uh, Egghead or anything, but it's. Mm-hmm. They actually have this really baller system. Where further screencasts, you can interact with the code, and oh, when you start when you start typing, like the video, like it pauses, but it's not a video; it's like a it's like a recorded thing. Yeah, it's you know like what a I mean? Whole experience. It's a whole experience. It is actually ridiculous. It is one of the coolest education things I've seen. It really is crazy, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, they did an Alpine course. Um, yeah, somebody just put together an Alpine newsletter, like Alpine News and stuff, like they're. And I signed up for it. It was so funny. <laughs> I was like typing in my email. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I would love Alpine Someone's News. trying to be the, the Eric Barnes of Alpine. Yeah. Really? Like, it's crazy. I'm getting an email that shows like, I don't know. It's like a weird reflection. It's odd. Yeah. Like, oh, and this week they fixed this. And like, we there, there was a discussion about this and it's getting heated or something like that. And I'm like, this is crazy. That's wild. So Alpine is going to be great over... when the newsletter references this podcast episode about the newsletter. Yeah. And I know. you get an email we'll about see, the maybe. podcast episode about you getting an email. Yeah. But um, it. I know also... you're listening, newsletter person. I know you're out there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, Hugo, I don't I should know. It's hard to keep track of all these people, but um, Hugo, I think, is a framework or something for something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it's popular, maybe it's not, but they use Alpine for their platform now or whatever. Hmm. And so he's actually a huge contributor to Alpine and he's hmm. doing this newsletter. Um, yeah. So, and in the newsletter, it was like Alpine just busted 5,000 stars on GitHub. Like this like hot news. It's funny reading. So Big hot news. Um, but yeah, man, Alpine's going to be huge. Honestly. I mean, it just is. And I'm sort of sitting on it. Like I haven't put my, my laser vision on it, you know? Yeah. I'm just like keeping it, as good as i think it should be and managing it but it's one of those things that like i need to make a website i need to make tutorial like when i shift my focus from liveware to alpine i don't know yeah word dude i um so chris my boss uh made this thing called air i know i sent it to you it's like a form builder Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I encountered that before you sent it to me at some point. Yeah, yeah. So it's got like Alpine in it, which is why I sent it to you. Yeah. But also like it's wild. Like I thought it was like a small project. Like, he sent it to me when he was hiring me and I like took a brief peek at it and I like mm-hmm. read the docs and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, cool. But it seems like one of those things that like I wouldn't use. Right. Like Laravel form collected. Yeah, it's like, I know how forms work. Um. It's actually like hot fire. Hmm. Um, and there's so much going on behind the scenes. Like, hmm. but anyway, it's like front end. So front end validation mm-hmm. uh, using Laravel validation rules. Hmm. 
um, for all your inputs. There's input types for all kinds of things. Like, is it Laravel validation rules translated to JavaScript validation, or is it does some, it actually like hit in the yeah, background? Yeah. Much of them are. Gotcha. Just adapted. Yeah. I don't know if this is something that he has already built or something we were just talking about building. I forget. But there is the possibility that if it's a rule, if it's a Laravel rule that doesn't have a good JavaScript equivalent, we can just AJAX it to the back end and validate it. What, dude? That's kind of interesting, right? There so should it's like be a front end validation, validation package but that just has one endpoint for passing a payload and a validation rule set. Well, that's and it just yeah. Does so the that's validation. what we're talking about. Is like let's extract just the validation part and make that its own package, and then yeah. have error depend on that. Yeah, that would be sick. Because there's already it, it depends on some whatever the big JavaScript validation package is. I forget what it is. Okay. Um, and basically, if that package has an equivalent to a Laravel rule, then it's using that. But then it's like, okay, well, what about the ones where it doesn't? And so I think yeah. right now what's happening is it's just getting submitted to the backend and then hitting backend validation and then coming home. Mm-hmm. But we could very easily just, yeah, create an endpoint that literally just takes validation rules and payloads and then just does front end validation. Yeah, that's through cool. the backend. Yep. That was um, cool. So that's fire. And the really cool thing that he just added, which I kind of begged him for, was um, whatever, model uh, air. So air colon colon scaffold is currently the API. I don't think it's right, but it's what it is right now. Mm -hmm. Air colon colon scaffold and then a model class. So like Mm -hmm. air colon colon scaffold user class. Mm -hmm. And it will just make you a form for your user. Hmm. And there's all of this dope logic on like intelligently figuring out what kinds of fields every column mm. is. Yeah. So like, uh, whatever. If it's like you know, if it's a obviously if it's a date, we know it's a date because of the eloquent dates property. Yeah. Um, if it's called email, we assume it's an email. If it's called password, we assume it's a password. Yep. Um, there's just like all of this other stuff though. Like there's so much logic, um, for it to and obviously you can override everything, right? So basically, you can gen- you can use this colon colon scaffold to actually generate a form, uh, like to generate code that is a form. Yeah. Or if you just stick that scaffold method in your blade, it will just print the form to the screen. Like it will stick it right in the view, um, which is just wild. So it's like so close to Alexa build me an app that I'm like I'm like really mm. intri- intrigued by it. You yeah. Know? So, I don't know. Uh, quick tangent. Uh, yeah, did yeah. you hear that noise that my computer made? Yeah, the boo Yeah, because I was foolish and didn't turn my freaking volume down. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it said from Hugo that is like, are nested something bindings coming to Alpine? <laughs> like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Are you getting... <laughs> what are nested X4 bindings? I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, that's what that was. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, are they, Caleb? I don't even know. Are they coming to Alphide? <laughs> um, back to you, Decol. That's all. But anyway, um, it's just it was just cool. It was like a really cool, and he's got like people using it and stuff. Um, and yeah. it's also like deeply embedded in the app, right? Like it was built the, for right the app you're working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. You know, it, it looks sweet. I I looked at it enough to know that it's not just like uh a retry of Laravel collectives form builder. Right. And it does some fancy stuff. 
and the design is really good like the docks are really good it looks like a pretty solid tool like it looked like something that was um yeah useful and all all of the forms are like bootstrap styled but implemented in tailwind oh interesting so they look like the bootstrap inputs but they're they're built in tailwind but you can do you it supports themes okay as well so you can build like form themes and then just like apply them my here's my beef with it Mm -hmm. i will likely never use it same i mean um same in most contexts i obviously will use it because it's part of my right i it violates my biggest rule of like package development that i personally produce and i've sort of hardened this over time but i've realized like this is one of my guiding lights my guiding principles is never publish styles like just don't like don't ever produce anything that has any styling so i think the interesting part of it is that like all of that is just a uh default yeah right no i know i just yeah i mean i get it but like big picture Uh uh-huh i if i needed functionality like that i would need it to be renderless somehow you know Uh because i just don't i'm not into that type of abstraction you know Mm -hmm. i'm not into any sort of styling black boxes even if i vendor publish generating markup for you and making decisions about same i need like pure that's that's what it is is i like i need pure markup that's pure Mm -hmm. yep and that's been like sort of a guiding light there's lots of things that have been like potential options and things to do but I'm I'm just like no I can't because that, that's how one like st- stuff like that gets stale. Like think about anything Laravel that produces styling. The front, the homepage, you know, the sample app, like the new app homepage, the 404, 500 pages, like Steve designed at one point. Um, debug bar, like that's something that pr- that provides styling out of the box. Like even that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like you're just creating something that people have to look at, and it will inevitably not match their design, and it will inevitably fall out of style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. The only thing that I think could be... And then you're, then you're saddled with the burden of updating the default styles over time. Yeah, exactly. The one thing I think could be could work is someone doing... And I think, I think someone's going to do this, but I won't say their name in case they're... Whatever. It's, it's an obvious enough idea that like everybody would be thinking this. Um, scratch everything I just said. Adam's going to be doing this at some point. Mm-hmm. tailwind ui blade components uh, yeah you know composer required tailwind ui and now you have those laravel 7 fancy blade components for every single tailwind ui component that could be fantastic oh yeah yep for sure. yeah that's interesting like it's almost more fantastic than just like a bootstrap you know you could do a bootstrap La- laravel 7 thing oh yeah blade sure. components and it could be pretty good Yeah, yeah, I'm done anyway. with Bootstrap. Never going back. I know, me neither. But it's sad because there's so many things that are nice about it. Well, here, here's the here's the the two big things we lose by moving Dot away from Bootstrap. BTN. That's literally it. <laughs> That's one. That's the only one. BTN dash rounded. Also, I like that. We one. now because people when they need a modal they don't go to Bootstrap and copy that disgusting modal chunk. That's yep. you know disgusting, so but is actually really accessible and what you need to do sort of does do modal yep and it does it well and you copy and paste that and it feels kind of horrible but it actually is better for everyone 
And now everybody just rolls their own and they're not accessible and they're just not good. So, yep. and same thing with, uh, I mean, yeah, that's the biggest one, honestly. That's one thing we miss. And then also, um, Tailwind makes your markup look like garbage, as does Alpine, um, which is fine. Like, you know, we all know why we use Tailwind and I adore it. Really. I absolutely adore it. I use it every day. But for demos and stuff like that. So I didn't want to like hog your screencast yesterday by talking about my own personal experience with the concepts that you were talking about. But it's great that we have a podcast together. So oh, I yeah, can do yeah. that. Oh, so cool. So right before I left Titan, I wrote these two blog posts, React in 2020, Parts 1 and 2, mm-hmm. um, which as far as I know have not come out. Um, but a big part of that was... I wanted to make a component that looked interesting and then show you how I made it. Right. Okay. And so I take a screenshot and it's like a, whatever it's like a create your pass. It's like a create a user, like sign up component, right? Mm -hmm. So you put username, password, and then it checks that the passwords aren't the same, you know, Mm -hmm. confirm password box. And that checks that the passwords aren't the same and disables the submit button. If they, just the passwords don't match or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I like made it look nice with Tailwind. And then I was like, well, I can't have this be my code samples because there's all this stuff in here. Like yeah. if I'm trying to scan the code samples, yeah, you like can't it's see totally what's going illegible. On yeah. Right. And so then I was like, okay, well I could go back and like just make classes and like write CSS for it that way. You know what I ended up doing? What'd you do? I just removed all the classes i took screenshots of the styled one and then i i made my code samples Mm. just removed all the classes and i was like yeah the the styles aren't here you figure it out you know yeah it's great that's that's a beautiful thing to do the only problem with it is if you need to change something you know if you need to like go back and modify something like Yeah, yeah so i had a code pen basically that was like the official one and then for code samples i just copied that so i did all my development in the code pen mm-hmm. and then for for demos i just copied it out to sublime text removed all the class equals stuff i wonder if there's a, a vs code plugin here that just hides the class attribute Ooh! if you could just if i could toggle Hail, on hiding the class attribute idea. every screencast i do would be simple and then I could easily opt into the class at dude. Oh, dude, this is a good idea. This is good. Okay, this just so fixed Caleb, like I think every my idea. Can I just say this real yeah. quick? Uh-huh. I think my idea yesterday was good. You kind of poo pooed it, um, <laughs> but I think it was a good idea. I know you shit on it, but I think, you know, you absolutely eviscerated it, but uh <laughs> You got it. You got it. All right. right. But yep. I do think that it was a good idea, which was okay. um, all of your classes, you know, so add apply exists. Right. And we're not supposed to use it because it's bad or whatever. Right. Sure. Um, but I don't see any reason why you can't just have a whatever a plug in. Or either a VS Code extension or like a Webpack extension or like a, 
whatever, or just like a random shell script that runs in your directory mm-hmm. that grabs all your classes, throws them into other classes, or gra- grabs all your classes, add applies them, grabs the new class names, and shows them into your markup where those classes used to be. Very possible. And then you could just have like, like it'd be like minifying or whatever, right? But like it'd be like another step before minifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you basically would just have like a, like a development version, and then like a demo version, you know. And you could, yeah. There's no reason you can just switch back and forth willy nilly at will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, it's a reasonable idea. Uh, it reminds me of like he's gonna do it again. He's gonna just rip the heart out of my gonna say no it's a bad idea can you imagine can you imagine maintaining something like that that's what it is i would never do that ever yep Yep. there there it is you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean like (laughs) oh no i know what you mean (laughs) it's one of those things that would be an endless pit yeah endless pit yeah but everyone you've got to have a few right but this one's not valuable enough to be an endless pit because i think you could solve it with a non-endless pit like hiding Mm -hmm. classes in vs code well, you know. but that only works if you just need to show a video of the code. That's true. Not if you need to post the code into a blog post or post well, into a code pen. Mm, maybe maybe the plugin hides them to an extent that you could actually copy and paste with the hidden, you know? What? Like, what if you can just... It's not going to work for a code pen. Right, but that's what a, I'm saying. Oh, gotcha, like, yeah. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As long yeah, as yeah. the code doesn't need to be interactive and work. yeah. It's fine. Well, here's what I would want. I here's think- what you should build. You should build uh, like a code, code like a syntax highlighting thing for the web mm-hmm. that lets you hide the class attribute. I know. All right, here's here's what we could do. Uh-huh. But let's let's go down the rabbit hole. Hit me. Here's the idea. Something you run in the command line or whatever that takes an HTML file and strips out all the class attributes and yep. gets the x uh path selector of that element mm-hmm. and then applies all the computed styles to that x path selector and then removes all the classes mm-hmm. so basically something that goes through and hard codes in all the styles for the entire page so there would be no class attribute there would only be X path selectors or just like really deeply, extremely specific selectors. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you get one style sheet, one big style sheet, and then a ton of, uh, yeah, and then just markup. Hmm. So like that would be beautiful. It would actually make things look beautiful. That's what I pretty much do myself for these demos for like my Laracon online talk. Like I go through and I pretty much do this with add apply. You know, I do like form carrot h1 you know right add apply all the things copy and paste um which sucks mm-hmm. but i get clean demos um so let's say we wanted to build this thing we don't but yeah let's you say don't we do. it doesn't solve your problem i don't care about this problem that much wait a minute wait a minute we're solving your problem well, I don't have this problem anymore. Well, this is your idea. Quit, I'm going tightened. there with your idea and you're, you're dogging yeah, 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 yeah. me. I'm just saying I'm not going to build it. I'm fine this to go there with switch. the idea. What? This is a bait and switch. No, I'm just saying it's a good idea. It solves your problem. That's why I suggested it. All right, all it was right. to solve your problem. You're the one who came to me with a problem. So it's easy. I'm, I imagine it's easy 
to get an XPath selector from an element with JavaScript. You would know more, better than I. I don't know off the top of my head. I know in DevTools you can right-click and copy the XPath selector or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, so sure, It's got to be easy enough. Who knows? Maybe it's not. But that part's done, let's say. So in JavaScript, you can do that. You can also get computed styles, whatever. I'm sure it's pretty easy to generate something like that. Also, this kind of thing might even just exist for generating email templates because emails need inline styles. I feel like I did oh. something like this. Oh my gosh, I did. It's actually in Laravel. Wait a second. This exists. Decal. You, there's, I did this before. There's, I think it's even in Laravel. You did it? I did. And in the last project that I worked on that you then inherited, I'm pretty sure for the email template, I just used Tailwind classes on the, in the HTML. And then I, dude, it's so fuzzy, but there's something that, there's a package that Laravel actually includes itself. So I could just use the Laravel included one that just walks the DOM and turns the classes into, uh, and references a style sheet or something and turns the classes into inline styles explicitly on the elements. Mm. Yep. So I could build the tail, the email templates with, with tailwind, but then ship them as just plain stuff with style tags. Although our style tags less markup jank. No, no, than... they're more. I'm just saying that this is at least this process is at least half of it's being done. Yeah, so then you can the pull those style tags be, out to exactly. CSS. Yep, and maybe there's a hook to do something like that. That's pretty good, bud. It's interesting. I'm glad we solved that problem for you. Yeah. That but you honestly, that I didn't have that VS that Code did. plugin that you just hide the classes would be so nice. Yeah, that's that's something you should build. Yeah. You know, you're the, you're the king of, B, of VS Code plugins around here. I guess so. Of all of us, you got that better PHP unit that I'm still using. That's so funny. I th- New I computers think, still using better PHP unit. I think most people use better PHP unit. It's a good one. It's like this thing that I think everybody uses that I forget that I built or that everybody uses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just kind of just is there. It's kind of funny. And last so, I checked, know, it's like the most popular PHP unit plugin, I think. New job, right? So you go in, you're like, all right, what's everyone's deal? What kind of people? What kind of people are you? Yep. You know what kind of people they are? They use the other PHP unit plugin. <laughs> they use PHP Storm. And oh, they're so stormers. It's like hanging okay. out with Jose Soto all over again. Oh my gosh! You know, try, he's showing me the test runner, how good it is. It's got the big green arrow. It automatically retries failed tests. Blah blah. blah oh blah, yeah, blah. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm getting the, you know, it's like a soft sell. No one's trying to like convert me to anything. Yep. Explicitly, but I am. I'm enduring the soft sell on PHP mm-hmm. Storm all the time. It's reasonable. I think there is a world where I convert to PHP Storm and I'm very happy. I don't think I'll ever enter that world. Yeah. I'm doing my best to not enter it. But I mean, there are things. You get self-conscious when the PHP Storm people start coming for you. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they target you. Yeah. Well, it's like don't you pair start with thinking, with like, how many and... keystrokes do I use to do yeah. everything? They're like, yeah, go ahead and move a file. Go ahead and move a PHP class. Oh, you feel like you need to start optimizing just to show them that VS Code's good. You have to start justifying that it's good. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not good enough to just say, like, this is the thing I use and I like it. Yeah, back off. Yeah, back off. Let me write some code. Yeah, seriously. Um, But Taylor uses Sublime, so. Sublime rules. Yeah, it does. It's really good. You don't need to justify that. Taylor Awell uses Sublime. Exactly. 
Yeah, Sublime's good for sure. It's funny, Here's like a, I, I put up with a bunch of annoying things in VS Code that if I switched to I would probably be happier in, in like a handful of ways if I switched to Sublime. All right, it's we're 51 but minutes be, into the episode, so I'm going to put in a hot take for all the people. Like all the all the casual listeners, they've left already. Mm-hmm. Um, this is only for the real the real heads. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can say this here. I think the world would be better if there were no IDEs, no doc blocks, no code intelligence, none of that. I don't want any of that. Get out of here. No static analysis. I don't care. I don't care that you like those things, people. Were you on the sponsor call for our segment on doc blocks and IDEs? No. <laughs> well, this is timely. That's funny. Do you agree with me? Oh, I have to think about it. Um, let's go one by one. So each go of all those things, things you want to get rid of, and I'll say agree or disagree. Sure, 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 sure. Um, here's why these things are bad, right? These things take code, so they make you know navigating things in your IDE quicker, right? Mm-hmm. They make it quicker to get to the method definition for this thing or for you to know what arguments this method accepts as you start typing it it'll autocomplete the method definition or whatever you know mm-hmm. all these things they're nice they're good little affordances mm-hmm. you know and i'm glad they exist and i'm glad people get to use them but like you don't know where your code is you know you're just living in this world where like all the code is just there you know, and like you aren't thinking about the structure of your app. You're not thinking about where your code is. You're not thinking about like how it's imported. Like you don't know how to get there. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Mm. But like, I know what you're saying that by introducing friction in one place, like you would optimize for friction in your code rather than, you know, the IDE taking the friction away and then you not caring about two bits of code being completely disparate well i don't think it's even that i just think it's like it's almost if to me it feels like kind of like a like a i just watched a documentary on japanese uh pottery Kintsugi? Um, i don't know okay these guys they make bonsai pots uh-huh. pots for bonsai trees and it's three different potters who all use clay from the same clay factory. Um, and one does slab pottery, mm-hmm. one does wheel pottery, mm-hmm. and one does like motion it together with your fingers pottery. Okay. Um, and it's these three dudes who all are in like lineages of like three or four generations of bonsai pot makers. Okay. And they all live in this tiny little town. <laughs> And they just crank out bonsai pots like it's nobody's business, you know? Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Japan. I love a little Japanese craftsmanship, you know? And I think the idea of, like, removing any part of that process and giving it to automation would hurt the final product because the fact that this guy uses a piece of wire, like a random piece of wire 
to like score the clay so that he can attach the feet to the bottom of the pot, right? Okay. Like, I'm sure by doing that, he gets to feel like how hardened the clay has gotten. And that gives him some little intelligence about like what's going on. So he knows, is it ready to attach the feet or not? Right. Okay. I feel, feel like there's something to like, like whenever something is mass produced, right? Mm -hmm. Like think Mm -hmm. about like, think about the Kickstarter thing, right? There's like, these guys have successfully made a hundred of these 3d printers and everyone loves them. And then they raised $10 million on Kickstarter. Now they need to make 10,000 of them. And like 30% of them are failing Mm -hmm. when they ship, right? Because it's like when you go to scale like that and you optimize for that type of production workflow. Yeah. um, The qualitative stuff that you used to get when you were doing it by hand starts to slip, right? Okay. And I kind of feel the same way about like, this whole static analysis, uh, basically like machine, machine read code, code that's designed to be read by machines. Yeah. Instead of read by people. Yep. Um, and yeah. I know it's not instead of, right? It's supposed to be read by both. But like there are trade-offs that people make to optimize their code Absolutely. to be read by machines instead of being read by people. Yeah. Um. And I think when you start doing that and you trust the machines too much with your code, there's like qualitative stuff that you can start missing. Yes. Okay. Um, and I'm mostly saying this in my own defense of like why I don't go that whole route. Yeah. No, I think it's a you perfect know? defense. I but think it's, it's like I love... you. It, like I know where a lot of things in laravel r i can tell you the directory structure to get to these things inside laravel core so i will say because i that's how you get there yes you know yes yes and yes decal um i agree there is something to handcrafted code Mm -hmm. the more capable your ide is the less handcrafted your code is Mm -hmm. um and there is well, I don't think that's true though, right? If if the IDE was even more capable, then it would be able to be intelligent about my handcrafted code and I wouldn't need to yeah, sacrifice Yeah, but like I'm saying, you know, me. when you write in an IDE, let's say that has PHP CS fixer applied, it has right. you know, automatic doc blocking for return types and whatever, but it's just automated everything. Then, you know, so your style is constrained to fewer fewer things, you know? There's fewer knobs that you can turn. Sure. Um, which I think is, you know, maybe okay. I, I personally love the fact that Taylor's setup is so minimal. Like yeah. he writes exactly. Laravel and it's so minimal. It's handcrafted. Like Laravel is handcrafted and feels very handcrafted. When you look at the source, it's a work of art. It's beautiful. And you know that he cares deeply about it. I wish I could say the same for Livewire. I think parts of it are like that but I'm just not tailored. Like I want to be in that way, but I don't know. I just don't have the focus, the ability to focus long enough on one thing when I have all these other things to make everything beautiful. I can't make everything beautiful. That's what I feel like. Mm -hmm. I feel like he has some ability, like that's maybe the big unique thing about him for me is that he's able to make everything, everything the light touches is beautiful, you know? And I don't There's feel some that stuff the light doesn't touch though. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? In general, yeah, like yeah. that guy's got a pretty wide, wide surface area of code no, he yeah. maintains. And I mean, and, and I he think keeps that, it beautiful. Well, and he has a consistent, you know what I think it is? Is like his, um, I think his tolerance for bullshit uh, when it comes to his API is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Right. And so because of that, like, like he can't just let something go out the door bad, you know? Okay. Like, I, that's just kind of how it feels to me. Like, he's got this, like, like his aesthetics overtake a lot of other parts of his For brain. sure. Yeah. You know yeah. yeah. And then a lot of people can test that because there's not everybody's like that. Yeah. But that's, that's in the way that I, you know, I admire that and I appreciate that. And I think I am like that mm-hmm. um, in my tastes. So to your point, yes, there is something about handcrafted code. I will say that like, I know where things are generally in Laravel, but um, I'm holding back a sneeze. There's a sneeze itch in the nose. Okay. I think I'm going to get through it. Um, I really love go to definition. I love oh, yeah, being able to alt sure. click on stuff and get there. For sure. I use that. I, I love the type of IntelliSense and stuff that and this is my sort of approach is some balance in the middle where i just write the code the way i want to write it which mm-hmm. is minimal i don't have type hints i don't have doc blocks or anything like that just code and variables that are named and methods mm-hmm. that are named i try to name them well i try to keep them short um and i think that's plenty and um yeah but in vs code i have you know better or what is it intellifence mm-hmm. php and uh and so anything like i can go to definition on all sorts of stuff i can move a class and it'll actually like change the class name and namespace uses i can command shift r to like search all the methods in the whole project which is insanely valuable super super valuable command r within my file with a let me keep monologuing here Mm -hmm. i can do all those things i even have basic autocompletion and basic parameter hinting Mm-hmm. Where I start to type in parameters and it shows me the the actual variable names of the parameter from the definition, mm-hmm. which is plenty for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of thing where I'm in this balance where like I really enjoy all the helpful things about that, but I'm not serving it. You know, I'm serving. Well, it and that's serves the me. thing, right? Is like you take you. I'm totally cool with uh, intelligence code, intelligence stuff that doesn't require me to do different things with my code you know mm-hmm. yep um because that's where the like handcraftedness of the whole thing goes away mm-hmm. you know is like doc blocks are terrible they're really bad they take your little adorable two method class that is like a sublime work of art you know and they make it two and a half pages of scrolling yeah, because I, I sort like I half agree, but I've I've challenged my my uh, opinion on that because Taylor uses them so heavily. He has to. I know, but I feel like I wonder. No, no he's making a framework. We're not making. Well, you are making framework. Yeah, I am, and I literally had a conversation with people for like fifteen minutes yesterday because people want me to use doc blocks. Yeah, well, maybe you need to use them, but I. Well, I I think there is something like it does give stuff space. I mean, in some way, it highlights the code even more. Ugh. It's disgusting. Yeah, I agree. But think about like how it really breaks up the code in a big yeah, way. But it's like 
I'm going to have to change my scroll wheel sensitivity. If, <laughs> for, for the desktop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I just hate that you have to maintain much. them. Like, that to me is like, why would I... Well, and that's why you need to switch to PHP this stuff everywhere. Like, right, so exactly. That so that it's just maintained. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So I'm not a stormer. I think there is... I, I'm kind of always interested in like challenging any sort of extra things. And so I, I think there's a part of me that... There's a part of me that, that would like like to go whole hog on Storm. Because I imagine it would boost my productivity in a lot of ways. I'm sure it's a blast, dude. But For sure. But I I'm think... also... Hold on. Let me finish, Nicole. There's a part of me that wants to go to the PHP storm and could see that. And then there's a part of me that could also see doing straight sublime zero IntelliFint. Like syntax yeah, exactly. highlighting and that's it. You know? Exactly. And that's the thing is like... The reason I moved to VS Code was that... First of all, sublime was being weird that week. And second of all... Like, I was like, all right, I can have a little IDE as a treat, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, yeah, yep. I'll go to VS Code, I'll install some plugins, I'll have a built-in terminal, you know, like, yeah, I'll have a little bit of IDE as a treat. I'll have some debugging built in. Yeah. Oh man. When you're saying all this stuff, I'm like, I couldn't go to Sublime without my command T, get my little terminal action. No, but you would go back to having a terminal overlay control tilde yeah but then i have to manage that separately like that's not map terminal isn't mapped to workspace which is a super helpful mapping yeah yeah. yep anyway so maybe the mission is just make vs code like as minimal and sublimey as possible yeah well i mean you had a blog post about that at one point (laughs) about like how to remove all the panels and there's some css tricks in there to like hide panels yeah yeah it's it's pretty wacky to like do that stuff to go deep on that but i mean i have a pretty minimal setup but still like i've probably let myself go in a bunch of ways there's always stuff kind of popping up on my screen fresh computer over here yeah so uh i ended up um i ended up adding uh a lot less plugins to my vs code Mm -hmm. trying to go like more all natural Mm mm-hmm and I kind of like it. Although I did install a new um, PHP plugin, which I will give you the name of now. As soon as I can open my extensions panel, I installed PHP Fan. P-H-A-N. Never heard uh, of it. It's a static analyzer. Yeah. Um, I didn't have this installed before, and it's pretty pretty good. Hmm. Like it notices stuff like uh, like it does a lot of like red underlines for things that aren't possible mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, uh, like you say that you're doing this, but uh, because this thing is not an array up here, like it's going to that's not going to work. So it's cool, but it doesn't require any doc blocks or anything. Although one thing it does do is it uses the PHP storm doc block or all of the PHP storm like cruft that gets added to the code mm-hmm. it understands it doesn't generate any new cruft mm-hmm. but it does understand it and so because yeah. i'm working in a code base made by php storm people i think i'm getting a lot of that for free yeah yeah interesting that's cool man Indeed. so um let's wrap it up and talk about uh, coronavirus dude i saw a good tweet the tweet was uh, i think people with anxiety seem to be handling coronavirus a lot better than everyone else. Maybe it's because 
our whole life of dealing with made up worst case scenarios <laughs> has made us a lot better at staying calm and dealing with real worst case scenarios. That's funny. And that's how I, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm like, I'm fine. I'm aware that like it could be really bad. I'm also aware that like in the past, a lot of these like things that everyone thought were really bad have kind of fizzled out. Um, yep. It is kind of concerning because my parents are supposed to be flying back from Japan like within the month. Oh, man, yeah. And it's like, uh, I hope they don't get stuck in Japan. I hope that they don't have to fly into Canada and hop the border to my sister's house. <laughs> you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So uh, we'll see. We shall see. But yeah, I mean, we don't, we actually need toilet paper. Um, <laughs> we're, we're out. We've got one roll, I think. And uh, we're going to see if we can buy any. Uh, just a normal, like a four pack of toilet paper would be fine. Right. Um, but yeah, we'll see if we can get any of that. We also have very few snacks in this house. Yep. Yeah, I did buy a bag of rice. That's the extent of my prepping. <laughs> it's like, all right, I'll grab a bag of rice. Yeah, I mean, good news is I don't do uh, any outside interaction. I know. For me personally, like, the amount Nothing of my life that will change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm in the camp of like all those people online, like introverts are freaking out right now. They're it's like, everybody stay inside, go on your computer. <laughs> I mean, I go outside a lot, but outside still uh, fair game. You know, I yeah. can still fish. I could still yeah. walk. I can do whatever I want to do. Um, yeah. yeah. Not nothing in my life is changing. Hannah's life is changing big time. She's basically oh, yeah. a full-time Disney Weddings employee. And stuff are getting canceled. I'm sure. Uh, well, it, here she does Disney family photography, you know, so she's in the parks like every day. Um, she also has vlogs. She has like a Disney parks vlog and stuff. So, um, so she's like always doing stuff. Are the parks shut down? Yeah. On the 15th, the Disney world is shut down until the end of the month. Wild. Yep. Or further, but that's what it's said. Talk at. about a disease ridden place. Seriously. I know. It's amazing. I, I was there all day yesterday, like for or two days ago. I was there for 16 hours, a 16 hour Disney day. And when we started the day, nothing was closed. March Madness wasn't canceled. The NBA wasn't canceled. Not like, and I, and I remember like turning to my brother-in-law and was like, yes, yeah, I just listened to the Joe Rogan podcast and the coronavirus on the monorail. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was, I was like, just turned and was like, so what about this coronavirus thing? I was like, pretty sure that Disney's going to be closed at some point. He's like, you think? I'm like, yeah, I bet. And I told Hannah, I was like, this might be one of your last times here for a while. Yeah. And uh, and then it was like one thing after the other. By the end of the night, it's like everything. Everything. The whole world down. had shut down. That's why. In one Disney park state, I remember st standing at the fireworks. My dad called me. He was like panicking. I'm just unlike him. He's like, are you even aware of what's going on in the real world outside your bubble? I'm like, big guy, what are you talking about? But anyway, I just remember hanging up the phone well, and dude, watching there's... the fireworks and being like. This is a weird feeling. I'm in this massive crowd of people. I don't know. There's like a version of this that's dramatized. That's like, a, you know, anyway, go on. Well, okay. So there's like, uh, there is the, there are several, there's two bad positions to take on this thing, right? Okay. One is the like, ha, losers are all scared of a virus that they're not going to get, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to, you know sit here yeah, and be yeah. cynical that guy is harmful 
right? Yeah. Harmful to the discourse. For sure. Um, then there's the other position, which is the like, I watch CNN all day and every yeah. 20 minutes they have breaking news about coronavirus. And right. The last four years of like Trump presidency has like uh, habituated me into thinking like every 20 minutes there's a crisis that needs like a really drastic response from me. Yeah. And uh, somehow I've turned like the coronavirus into like just being scared about the coronavirus is virus is somehow like a uh, like an act of political resistance. Um, and like it's wild, dude. It's wild. Yeah, that is funny I mean, how like be just fair, like, being scared can communicate like very different things. Like how scared you either are or pretend to be. Like it, it can be yeah. just any other moral platform, any yeah. other like uh, soapbox to stand on and be like, I'm more socially uh, dis or what is it? I'm more social. Um, it was like social isolation, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm more whatever. I'm more socially I'm more isolated than you are. Yeah, I'm more quarantined. Are, yeah. I'm taking more quarantine steps. You know than what you I'm are. doing all the time? I'm saying to myself. What would Jake Bathman do here? Oh, because Jake probably Bathman a good thing to say a lot. was a disaster preparedness yeah. uh, coordinator for a large metro city. Mm-hmm. So I think in my head, what would Jake do? Right so you now? probably asked him, right? I didn't. I just think it. What's up with that? I'll ask him. Yeah. But so far, I've just been thinking it. It's been working fine. And what did he say? Well, I haven't asked him. I don't know the fake one in your head. Well, he took a measured response, right? He looked at the data. Yep. He said, what are you supposed to do? Probably all the things the CDC is recommending. Mm-hmm. Right? Wash your hands. Don't unnecessarily kiss strangers. Yep. Don't touch your face that much. Um, et cetera. Don't stand in large crowds. The, take, the thing from the Joe Rogan thing that I, one of the takeaways was like, the washing your hands is like pretty ineffective. That it like it, because like this virus spreads just from breathing. Mm-hmm. so like the real i mean that's always good washing hands but it's like the real danger is being near people who are like breathing you know right, right. but i think i think the thing right is like you can pick up things from surfaces yes like right if if it's a if it's going to pass by breathing you have to actually be standing next to the person while they're breathing right whereas if they like sneeze on a handrail and then leave and then you touch their sneeze, and then you touch your face. Mm-hmm. Now you're breathing those particles by proxy. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. So we'll see. But we're in Florida right now. We're in like, you know, and but like Buffalo is small time, you know, and yeah. and it's kind of like we have a permanent residence there, mm-hmm. and like friends and family and things, which in some sense is a little bit better because we're pretty corn. Like if we want to quarantine ourselves, basically just don't go to Disney, and then we're quarantined, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um. But there's a part of me that's like, okay, I'm in Florida. If we were like stuck here, if there was like a travel ban on driving, I can't imagine that's that was possible. But yeah. if there was on like interstate, what what's that? Yeah, like I got to figure out like living here without a place, homeless, you know? Yeah. So there was this like small prepper part of me. Like I think I have all the different voices in my head. I choose to listen to like a certain center of them. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I have the prepper voice in my head that's like, yo, bro, if if it's gonna hit the fan like get a gun get to buffalo yeah get a gun get to buffalo another thing i think is like driving is quarantined you can still drive we have a car yeah. we're driving great self-quarantine gotta go to gas stations wear a glove when you, you pump touch the handles 
a problem. that other people have touched. If there's even gas, probably someone will buy it all up and stick it, <laughs> stick it in their bunker. That's the thing. Yeah, it is funny. Like the the because I think and I get it. Like the prepper response, it's just like general prepper response is like oops, water, all. all this. Stuff. Yeah, it's like well, it's so American. We don't need like water's still gonna be there, power's gonna be there. Yeah, I don't know. You know, there's probably somebody listening to me who thinks I sound like an idiot. It's such an incredibly but. American move to be like i'm scared the answer is putting 800 bucks on a credit card at walmart right now (laughs) like it's wild yeah yeah it is mr money mustache is the only person i consume publicly who's like kind of on the the defense of this whole thing calls it the pandemic of irrationality um takes pictures of like empty toilet paper shelves and talks about how the coronavirus drastically increases your shitting frequency or doesn't drastically increase your shitting frequency That's funny. <laughs> and, and like shows like you know bare shelves at the supermarket from all these like canned goods and everything he's like fortunately the things that actually help prevent these things is plentiful and he's grabbing like kale and you know vegetables <laughs> and like perishables you know that's funny yeah so yeah, well, man. Uh, there's a great tweet I saw a long time ago. I can't remember who it was, or I would credit them. But it is as follows: Cable news has done to our parents what they thought video games would do to us. Hmm. <laughs> like, and like the more, hmm. the more I see it, the truer it is. I like, have one family member who that rings very true for. It's wild. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are caught in that. Un- unpack that for me. What what did what did our parents think the video games would do to us? That like so you know there was like the whatever post columbine or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. There was this idea that like video games had like a really strong impact on like the way that you thought and your ability to mm-hmm. reason and your basically that you would become some sort of a psycho. Yeah. Based on the influence of media. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and it's just like the more i would say especially the last four years on both sides i would say that fox news has been doing it for longer you know mm-hmm. there's always been like fox news guy right um but i would say like especially the last four years like the msnbc's and cnn's of the world have gotten like as bad if not worse uh at just like the catastrophizing and the turning everything into a crisis and to putting everyone in this constant like amygdala fight or flight response mode mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and the only people who watch TV are old people, mm-hmm. right? Right. No, no one our age watches TV. Mm-hmm. And so none of us, with the exception of a few who you, you can like pick them out of a crowd, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of a few, like most of the people our age aren't like, just like in this psychosis of watching the news all the time um but the people who are it's like it's wild they know all of the b and c list characters in the impeachment drama yeah they know all of the it's hard for me to hear people like that um self-proclaimed quote-unquote news junkies that um that like when I hear this stuff and when I hear just politics talk in general, this is sort of what I, what I hear. Same thing when I hear like sports talk, you know, yeah. it's very funny because I'm surrounded by both all the time and I'm really not a politics guy and I'm not a sports guy. Sure. And to me, both of them, it's like just reality TV 
with some reality, some things are probably super important, blah, 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 whatever. But I like put on this little helmet where I, where I just tune into the frequency of like this being a reality TV show. Be like, oh, and so-and-so did so-and-so and wore yeah. this today and said this to who. And then with sports, it's the same exact thing. Like, oh, Keanu Reeves, uh, he just, uh, you know, that was, that was the most sportsy non-sports name I could think of. I think it's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, they just traded Keanu Reeves for... And did you see that, you know... Keanu Reeves went to the Mets for a four-year contract. <laughs> so, anyway, it's like, I don't know. And I'm not hating on it, but, like, I, it's very human and whatever. But, um, but just, yeah, like, it, there's a way of listening to this. I guess what it is is, like, if you're not tuned into that wavelength, you can listen to this and think that it, like, all actually matters, you know? Like, I think a lot of people just, it's just like, wait, but this isn't reality TV. This is real. This is like the way our country is run. This is the way yeah. sports work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it all matters to an extent, right? Right. But there's, but, there's a whole layer of like frosting that just does not matter at all. Or it's at least all smathered over with like dramatization and that like, you know, news bias and stuff. I used to say this about LSD. Here's the thing about LSD. LSD removes your ability to know which of the small details are important Mm. and therefore you know the texture of a tree seems equally as important Mm -hmm. to uh you know like a really important thing like you know the cops are at the door (laughs) right um and uh cable news is like that cable news amplifies the importance of minute things because their business is based on terror right like Mm -hmm. you only watch 24-hour news is a wild concept and you only watch enough 24-hour news to be profitable if you're terrified Mm -hmm. right like 24-hour news cannot be profitable if people are like yeah if it's well especially like if people for example, let's take politics for an example, right? If people saw that there was a problem and then realized that, that there was something they could do about it that didn't involve watching more cable news, mm-hmm. that's bad for business, mm-hmm. right? So, like, cable news is designed to make you outraged but need to watch more of it instead of going and doing something about the thing you're mad about, hmm. which is, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's like all that, whatever. Yeah, it all just reeks to me, you know, all that stuff just reeks of all the bad, like, uh, perverse incentives and things like that. Yeah, like dark design patterns. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah littered everywhere, like all over the entire world. And we're all just like, oh, by the way, the this teat. is my new official thing that I want in the world. I want a good poker app that is not designed by psychopaths. I want to play think... poker on my phone for, for free, not like gambling. Yeah. Real money. Like, I just want to, like, play whatever, like, Yahoo Games, Texas po- Texas Hold'em, mm-hmm. right, on my phone against real people. But I want to be able to give you $10 to never try and make me buy a coin from you. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, all of these things. It's the world, they man. Know you're, they know that, like, their audience is, like, a bunch of gambling fiends. I know. And so they're like, oh, we could just flash pretty lights in front of you and you'll buy fake money from us constantly. Oh and I gosh. guess it works because they keep like doubling and tripling down the ads 
the World Series of Poker app to open it and play, which has the best actual like in-game UI. Mm-hmm. But to open it before you can start a game, there's no ads during the games. Mm-hmm. But to get even start a game, you have to close like five pop-up banner ads. I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah, I've been getting more and more outraged at even just emails, everything, all of the noise everywhere. It's just kind of building in me. And I think, I don't know. I have nothing to say, really. You know Brad Frost? Yeah. Death to Bullshit. That was his, like, his really good talk about this. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. I need it more than ever. It's incredible. It really, like, puts me in that place. I'm going to watch it later. Good. I'm going to watch it after this. Fantastic. It'll it'll help you. Um, That is exactly what I have been feeling. Like, I get kind of, like, irrationally angry now. When I see an unimportant email or somebody trying to like grab my attention that's unnecessary or anything like that, I just get so angry. I'm like, shut up. Shut up, all of you. Everybody just shut up and leave me alone, please. You know what was interesting? Um, You know, DraftKings, it's like a sports betting website or whatever. Yeah. I have never placed a sports bet, but one time there was like a, we'll give you a hundred free dollars on DraftKings that you can bet on MMA. Mm Mm-hmm. So I like signed up to get their hundred free dollars. And then I realized obviously that you have to put in a hundred dollars to get the hundred dollars. And so I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. But anyway, they have me on their email list. They have never emailed me ever until yesterday. They emailed me to say, Hey, I know a bunch of sports events are canceled due to coronavirus. Here's the page where you can go for updates on draft what draft what bets what bets you can still make and stuff on mm-hmm. coronavirus mm-hmm. i signed up for DraftKings, whatever six years ago mm-hmm. they've never emailed me <laughs> it's a gambling website mm-hmm. that i've never used and they've never emailed me until right now there was a really important email that was like centered around the whole business model and they sent it to me and said here is a place where you can go to selectively see important information when you want to see it. And I was like, DraftKings, good guy DraftKings, like emailing me once ever for a really important thing to their business to tell me how to go find it out without getting more email. Like you are good people, DraftKings. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Proud Didn't of DraftKings. Yeah, that's good. Um. One news uh, site that I do follow that, I don't know, it's pretty unbiased and like doesn't do all these dark patterns. Um, the Onion, you follow The Onion from my... <laughs> yes, yes, I'm aware. I try to stay really tuned in. I am like a news junkie on The Onion. Um, and they just had this breaking uh, health tip from health professionals on like working remotely because now everybody's working remotely. Um, it's like stand up at your desk. Like health professionals say, stand up at your desk leave the office and never come back or something like that. <laughs> I just read this this morning. It's super funny. Like they're like, and then they describe like, yeah, you get up and you know, walk around, take a walk. It's good to get the blood flowing and walk outside and keep walking until work is a distant memory. Workers have like, you know, until your past life is a distant memory. Keep walking until you don't recognize where you are. And it's, it's very funny. That's funny. I can't do it justice. And then they talk about how like all the stats with like mood improvements and like all the stuff when like people just leave work behind. Yeah. And I think it's extra funny because I feel like I kind of did that. Like you I live in it. this fantasy world where I don't have a real job. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So anyway, 
The Onion, that is one place for the listener if you're looking to engage in politics and be unbiased. The Onion is a great place to do that. There was one recently, the, uh, do you ever see the one? Yeah. Where the, um, uh, it was like breaking news. A overweight kid wore a white t-shirt in the pool. So people didn't, (laughs) what is it? So to avoid ridicule. (laughs) I just loved it. It was one of those videos like fat kid wears white t-shirt in pool to avoid, to evade ridicule. The interview on him. So the white T-shirt that really changed things, huh? Oh, big time! Yeah, I mean, I wear it, I put it on. Nobody, it's very funny. Oh anyway, my god, go on, that's click funny. Hole. Yeah. Um, Clickhole just got bought by uh, Cards Against Humanity. All right. Because uh, Cards basically, uh, Max from Cards is like a big fan of Clickhole. Mm-hmm. And there was some signals kind of floating around that Clickhole was not a profit center at The Onion. Mm, and that mm-hmm. maybe The Onion was going to shut down Clickhole because it wasn't making money. Mm-hmm. And Cards said, we have a lot of money. We don't care if you make money. We just want you to keep existing. Sweet. So we're buying you. And it's like four or five people who make Clickhole. Oh, wow. And Cards was just like, yeah, we'll fund you forever. We don't care. Like That's awesome. Please keep making Clickhole. <laughs> so I'm glad that exists. Glad Cards is out there wasting money to make funny things. Yep. Someone's got to do it. All right. We, All right, should, we should probably shut this down, huh? Cue We've been going. The Ow. Tro music. Now. Ow.